0: Are we good, Miss Cindy? Yay. All right, Pastor Charlie, will you pray for us before we start? Amen. Amen. How's everyone's week going? Marvelous. Marvelous. Everyone doing good? That's awesome. Well, if you guys can't see, I just wanted to show y'all how much studying went into this lesson. I have four novel-sized books and about 10 articles and about five hours worth of YouTube videos. Um, And this is actually, parts of this is going to be uncomfortable to teach because... These weren't things I believed before I started truly studying some of these harder topics. So bear with me. We're going to go through it together. We're going to look at factual statements and we're going to explore the word together. Sound good? Let's, let's figure it out together. Better together. All right. In Ephesians 6:10 through 13, Paul speaks of spiritual warfare and who the battle is truly against. He mentions five types of spiritual foes. He mentions the devil, principalities, powers rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places let let's read ephesians 6:10 through 13 real fast finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Well, that's pretty encouraging that we can stand. And even though we have all these things against us, we, all have, we have everything we need to stand. When the battle comes... What does it say? It says stand and stand. Keep standing, keep fighting, you know, hold your ground and stand. So while we have these spiritual foes we're about to learn about, it is encouraging that God's already saying, hey, I've already given you everything you need to, buy, to fight this battle, to withstand the attacks of the enemy. So to me, that's encouraging. But, you know, let, let's learn a little bit more about these. What we know about the devil, Satan, Lucifer, from Scripture, what, what can we know about him, all right? He's the original rebel. We see that, right? He's the original rebel, Genesis 3, 1 through 15, and John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8. was a cherubim. Remember in week 2 we talked about the different spiritual beings in the heavens. He was a cherubim. We see in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28 talk about him before his fall. What was he? What did he look like? Who was he? What was his title? He was created to guard the sacred spaces and holy places of God from, from anything profane and evil. Now he corrupts and contaminates whatever he touches, right? We talked about this also in week, in week 2 how he was created to guard the sacred places and the holy places of God. So obviously, he got really good at that. So if you know how to protect something from it, then you're going to know how to do it, right? So if he was protecting from contamination and profaning things, now he knows how to corrupt and contaminate everything he touches. So we know he's really good at his craft. He's, he's the father of lies, right? That's what Scripture tells us in John 8:44. He's the father of lies. He is the original Liar! He's a master manipulator. Loves to play with our minds. But one great thing to know is God has the authority over Satan. Amen? And I gave you scripture reference up there. The only reason I'm not reading every single scripture is because, y'all, this PowerPoint, we're probably not going to get through it all the way tonight, It's 21 slides. It's this stuff, y'all, when I got into it, I'm telling you, these books, all this stuff, ooh, wow, okay, but we're going to try to get through it. But God has the authority over Satan. Amen? While Satan does have some form of power God, obviously, he can't do anything unless God allows him to. we talked about that last week. He's the accuser and the adversary, right? We see him in Job. We see him in Zechariah. We also see him in Luke come before God asking for people. In Job, it's obviously for Job. In Zechariah, he's asking for the high priest of that time, Joshua. And in Luke, he's asking for Peter. And he's asking God to his face, give me this person. Let me show you they don't truly worship you. He's the ultimate tempter. Right. He's the one who tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Right. Because God allowed him to. He's the ultimate tempter. It started with him in the garden with Eve. Right. Eve, you you, surely you won't really die. Which did she actually die? No. So he tricked her because she was going to die. Right. She lost her immortality when she sinned. He tricked her. Right. He, He switched the words up on her. He's the ultimate tempter. He's the God of this world and present age. That's what scripture tells us. Right. He's the God of this present age. He's the prince of the powers in the air. And he's the commander-in-chief of the demonic forces. That's what we know about Satan from Scripture, right? That's what we know about his attributes. That's what we know about his character, right? Huge misconception because of Hollywood. The devil does not rule hell. The devil does not rule hell, right? But movies show us that the devil rules hell. He's got his old pitchfork, and he's standing there poking people when they come to hell. No, hell was created to punish the devil and the demons. Well, the other rebellious divine beings. That's why he created hell. It's for them. Jesus even says in Matthew 25, 41, those who are sinners will go there, but it was created for Satan. Because he's the one who originally rebelled and hell was created for him because of his major rebellion. So we know that the devil doesn't rule hell. Hell was made for the devil to be tormented and punished for all of eternity. That's a huge misconception in the church as well. All right, there's four levels of hierarchy from Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 is what we see and it's the cosmic Geography, we talked about this, right? Cosmic geography, certain entities over certain specific regions. These spiritual forces are mentioned in six different passages. Let's read a couple of them real quick. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is so encouraging that even though he's talking about these spiritual foes, what does he say? Nothing can take us from the hand of the Lord. Nothing. Doesn't matter what power, doesn't matter what principality, nothing can take us from the hand of the Lord. Colossians 1 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. We talked about this verse last week, right? Jesus has the authority. Nothing that exists was created without him. He was before all things, he is in all things, and he is after all things. He is all things. Uh, Colossians 2:13 through15: "And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he was taken sorry, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. Wow public spectacle right so jesus didn't just beat them in private he showed it to the world that he has defeated them so while these are spiritual foes what can we know even from last week jesus has already won right while they exist and we have to understand what they do and why they're here we ultimately have to know we have the victory right scripture clearly shows that jesus has already won the victory when he died on the cross and rose from the dead everything was completed right he defeated all these powers These are different roles within the hierarchy of the kingdom of rebellious divine beings, All right? So when he names these things out, it's the hierarchy, okay? So when he talks about the principalities and the powers and the darkness of this age and the wickedness, it's going up, and we're going to look at that. It's the hierarchy going up of what are these things we're fighting against. All right, These are the divine beings mentioned in Deuteronomy 32 worldview. Remember we talked about that? Remember how the people were divided amongst the lowercase gods? These are those beings who they were divided to, okay? These beings who are in these hierarchies, these are the beings we're talking about, okay? It's the cosmic geography. It's those who are ruling. All right, side note about the second recorded rebellion in Genesis 6, 1 through 6, okay? The angels who rebelled in Genesis 6, 1 through 6, and took for themselves wives and committed unholy union, remember that, the, ne- the Nephilim, and committed unholy union with humanity and had the giants, right? Their, the Nephilim, their offspring. They have been chained up and held in a place of judgment since that time. When they committed that sin and they were caught for what they did, right, and God judged them, let, let's look at some scripture reference, all right? right, 2 Second Peter 2.4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Okay, he's talking about if God didn't even spare the angels, he's not going to spare human beings who continue to sin. Okay, so what does that tell us? These beings who did that in the second rebellion were automatically arrested, in a sense, and chained up and put in the pit until the time of judgment. Okay, and then we have another reference in Jude 1, 6-7. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, speaking of the angels who came down, he has received an everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So what is he saying? Solomon Gomorrah did exactly what the angels did. They went, to get, they went to strange flesh, right? Homosexuality was rampant in that city. He, he was making a parallel to that same judgment that those angels are going to face is the same judgment that Solomon and Gomorrah is going to have to face for what they did. That's why he does that parallel. But those are two examples of the angels who did this, who rebelled, and the Nephilim came from that unholy union. But we need to know, because this is going to be important later, we need to know that this rebellion, they were automatically chained up. All right, we don't have these guys running around the earth or ruling right now. They're chained up until the day of judgment. What does that mean? When revelation times come to pass. Okay, so they're chained up. They're not going anywhere. They have no power right now. All right, the principalities. These are regional territorial spirits. All right, these ones we're starting off. And let's look what this looked like in biblical times. the, The actual word principality, but it applies to the spiritual. Principalities in biblical times was known as a state ruled by a prince, governor, or satrap, and was usually a relatively small state or state that falls within a larger state or nation, such as in the Roman Empire. It can be that which holds or has held rule over a population that is either republics or principalities. Taken as it is, a principality can have dominion within the confines of a larger dominion or rule. What does that mean? These guys oversee states. Okay, you see how it talks about smaller areas within a larger kingdom or nation. These are states. That means that there's a principality over the state of South Carolina, or the state of North Carolina. These beings rule over states, right? Smaller regions, not the whole. So principalities, that's what they do. So when Paul says, you have the power upon the armor of God to withstand, he's talking about principalities. They rule over states. All right, powers. These are territorial spirits over entire kingdoms and nations. All right, this is, this is the type of being that was referenced in the book of Daniel. In chapter 10, when he talks about the prince of Persia that withstood me when Gabriel's talking. This is what type of spirit that is over a kingdom, okay? Bigger than a state, over a kingdom or a whole nation. Powers are those that hold power within a kingdom, a principality, or even an empire. This could be wielded by kings or emperors like King Nebuchadnezzar, held absolute power of the kingdom of Babylon. For example, a local power means to have the ability or capacity to act or do something effectively, exerting control, influence, creating and enforcing laws or or authority over a people or nation. Do we not see this happening to our world where these demonic entities are pretty much ruling, reign, implementing? Y'all just look at the governments around the world and see what laws we are having passed or have already been passed and tell me that is not demonically inspired by some type of rebellious being pushing these things pushing these agendas, right, over entire nations. We see a nation's going completely the opposite way. Why? Because they're being ruled by a rebellious entity that wants them to go that way, right? So what's it doing? It's influencing this, the principalities who are under their power, right, and influencing leaders and people within those communities, within those nations. All right, this one's shorter. This one is simple, ready? Rulers of the darkness of this age, they oversee the principalities and the powers, over multiple kingdoms or nations. They have larger portion, okay? It keeps going up, right? If they're overseeing the whole earth, that's a lot. That's a lot of nations. That's a lot of people. Especially if one of the major rebellions, they're all chained up, right? They're all chained up already. That means you have, you have the rebellion, the third rebellion in Deuteronomy 32. They're the ones overseeing everything right now. So it just keeps going up, right? Hierarchy, hierarchy, hierarchy. Spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places, all right? These are Satan's generals. All right, these are, these are his right-hand men, okay? They're the highest ranking rebellious divine beings who are in charge of all wickedness unleashed on the earth. That's why, what is, what is their title? Spiritual host, what does host mean? That means they're in the heavenly places. What does that mean? They reside in the spiritual realm all the time. That's where they are. They're not the ones having direct contact with human beings, but they are the ones calling the shots. They're the ones meeting up with the devil, right? Having these meetings. What, what, what is the plan for this season? What are we implementing in the earth? And everything flows down from there, they do not oversee regions or territories. Their focus is corrupting the whole earth and commanding the div- other divine beings on what to do. Okay, they're given the orders. They're meeting up with the head honcho, the commander-in-chief, Satan, and they are making, they are making the decisions. They abide in the spiritual realm, heavenly places. Y'all, anytime they talk about heavenly places, that's usually just talking in the spiritual realm. That's, that's a realm separate from ours, in the spiritual realm. All right, so they're, they're not here on earth interacting. They're there making choices, watching the earth. And they do not interact directly with humanity. Okay? So that's the hierarchy. We have principalities over states and regions. Then we have powers over nations and kingdoms. And then we have the the sorry. one second. We have the rulers of the darkness of this age, okay? And they oversee the powers. Okay. They're over multiple nations or multiple bigger bigger regions. And then we have these guys, the spiritual host of wickedness, and they're overseeing all of it. Okay, they're not handling day to day, they're coming up with the big master plan. All right, they're the ones who are building the master plan to really implement attacks. All right, so obviously we can see that the enemy has set up his hierarchy like an army, right? Just how the Lord had his angel army, had his hierarchy in heaven, the devil was just taking that, and what corrupted it? He's contaminated it and made it to his own purposes, right? Because he can't do anything on his own. Everything he knows is from God. The only thing he does is manipulate and corrupt what God has already set in place right? The order, and I'm going to preach on this soon, the order that God had ordained for the universe, he's just taking that and manipulating it. He's not creating anything. We realize, all right, Satan cannot create anything. He can only manipulate what God has already created. So that's his whole game plan, right? He has, the, has, he has this whole army set up, this hierarchy of soldiers under his command, and now he's implementing it through them, right, through regions. So what does that means for us as Christians, I've said this before, we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to guide us into understanding what spirits are overseeing our areas. What, what is a fleshly issue and what is a spiritual issue? What in, what in Columbia, what in South Carolina is being pushed by a demonic agenda or just a fleshly agenda? Well, we have to be sensitive in the spirit to understand these things. And we talked last week, right? Jesus has already handled the spiritual aspect, but we have to be sensitive to the fleshly. But we also are called to fight spiritual battles, right? So we have to be sensitive to both. We have to seek the Lord on which one is, uh, which one is spiritual and which one is physical. All right, what is the goal of these rebellious beings, right? We, we don't, the scripture doesn't give us crazy detail on what, what is everything they do, right? We see what Satan does, right? It gives us a plethora of examples of what he does. We know they follow, right? They follow in suit. They want to hurt humanity. They want to corrupt humanity. Well, why do they do it? To prevent the gospel from being spread to the entire world, right? We talked about they can't win, but the longer they hold back the great commission from being fulfilled, the longer they get to rule and reign in this present age. So, right, so the present age, what does that mean? It means an era of time, okay? That's what that means, the era of time. So the longer they can keep this era of time set in place, they're going to keep doing exactly what they're doing. They're going to hold back the gospel, because the longer they hold back the gospel, the longer they hinder the Great Commission, the longer they get to stay here. That's what they want, right? Because they know what comes in the judgment, and they don't want that. That's the longer they're going to hold back the gospel, right? And then to, to corrupt everything good that God had created, right? That's what they want to do. When God created the world, right, in six days and rested on the seventh, and he said, it is good, and then then hundreds or thousands of years later, these beings, right, they say, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. What did they set out to do? They wanted to change because they thought they could be God. They thought they knew better than God. They thought they knew why he created them better than he knew why he created them. So they wanted to corrupt what he made. And then to take as many human souls as they possibly can with them, right? They know what happens in the end. And I think sometimes we act like they don't know. You know what I mean? They, they know Scripture. They've been around for a long time. They know what the book of Revelation says. They know what's going to happen in the end. They know why hell was made. That's very real to them. They know this. So what are they doing? They're trying to take as many human beings with them as possible. Because they know there's no way they actually win. But like I talked about in service, if we don't fulfill the Great Commission, we could be here for 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. Jesus said he is coming back when the Great Commission is fulfilled. So the longer they hold that back, the longer they get to rule and reign here. Why are demons not listed by Paul in this passage? All right, that question is going to be here. Demons and rebellious angels are not the same thing. And this is where it gets uncomfortable for me. And this is what all these books are for and all these things. I'm probably going to have to write another article for you guys. (laughs) Because demons and rebellious angels are not the same thing. Bear with me. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that demons are rebellious angels, a.k.a. fallen angels are never mentioned in Scripture. They're called apostates. It says that they left their original spot. okay. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that demons are rebellious angels. It never says that. Demons are never referenced even in the same place. Rebel angels and the other rebellious divine beings are in the four categories that Paul clearly laid out. This is why I made the point about the second rebellion in Genesis 6. Because all those divine beings who rebelled are chained up. And all the beings we just read about in the hierarchy, those are the rebels from the, second, sorry, from the third rebellion. So we know where those are, right? Those are the ruling. Those are the ruling divine entities that God allowed to rule. We know what they're doing. Scripture is telling us what they're doing right now. This is why Paul alludes to it. All right, there are three, su- so, so pause, what does that leave us? If those two rebellions are taken off the table, well, let, let's look what that leaves us. There are three subtle distinctions between demons and rebellious angels. All right, demons are not fallen angels, so what are they? We're about to, we're about to talk about it, and it's, it's uncomfortable because it just, this, uh, this isn't taught in the American church, and it makes me super uncomfortable and just, but we'll get into that because it does, y'all. This, this is not something like, ooh, I found the answer. This makes me so uncomfortable because this goes against the traditions I was taught in the American church, and it makes me super uncomfortable to talk about this. But through my study, I felt so much conviction in my heart. You can ask my wife. You can ask Serena. I said, babe, I don't think I want to teach this. You can ask her. I said, I don't want to teach this. This is so uncomfortable to me. But I really felt the Holy Spirit saying, if, if you don't do this, you are totally going against my will for this church. Because what did we say? We want to go deeper in the word of God, and that truth overrides tradition. And it makes me super, but y'all bear with me because this isn't like, ooh, I'm smarter than everyone. I found the answer. Super uncomfortable for me. So bear with me while we look at this together, okay? And I'm not gonna leave y'all hanging. The reason I have these articles is because I've been going through and combining articles to get to you guys because I don't want y'all just to take my word for this because I'm not making this stuff up, all right? We're gonna go through history and see how this has been viewed. All right, the, the three subtle differences. Demons need a body, okay? Demons don't have bodies. Angels have bodies. We know that, right? Angels, Angels eat. Karen brought this up. Angels eat. They, they ate with Abraham and they rested with Abraham. They rest and they eat. They put on physical bodies. These fall, yeah, transform. These fallen, is not fallen because that's not even mentioned in Scripture. These rebellious angels who came down, because I, I want to use the right verbiage, right? I don't want to just use fallen angel because that's what everyone says. That's not found in Scripture. These rebellious apostate angels who left their place, they already have bodies. When they left, they left with these bodies they can show people. Right. They physical bodies. Demons wander the earth. Does scripture not tell us when they leave a body, they wander to and fro for another host. And then if they come back and that house is empty, a.k.a. the body, they bring back seven spirits worse than themselves. Right. They wander the earth. They, yeah. They, they, yeah. And pork. They like pigs. Right. They, they wander the earth. And thirdly, demons are called devils and unclean spirits. You never see rebellious angels called unclean spirits. Because they're not. They were divine beings who rebelled. So those are, y'all, all three of those, those are what demons are referred to as in the New Testament. And now the word demon actually only occurs three times in the Old Testament. But all the New Testament passages, this is what they do. They have no bodies. They possess people, right? They have, a, they have to have a place to stay. They wander the earth until they find someone to torment. And then demons are called devils and unclean spirits. Rebellious angels are never called that. They're called apostate angels. Right. What does that mean? It means they went away from their original purpose, from what they were called to do. They went the opposite. The rebellious angels that, and, and we're going to talk about this again because I, I don't think y'all see the significance right now, that all the rebellions, they are there somewhere. The, the devil's the, right, the first one, he is the commander-in-chief. The second rebellion, they're all chained up. Obviously not in the floor, right, the spiritual realm. I, I feel like that's another misconception. Everyone thinks that hell is in the center of the earth, but no, that's the molten core and lava and all that good stuff. But the second, right, they're all chained up. And then thirdly, they're all ruling. God allowed them to rule. He chose them to rule the nations. He handpicked them to do so. So they're, they're, they're already all, they're all caught up in what they're doing. So the re- rebellious angels that in Genesis 6, 1 through 6, came down to women and had children. With them cannot be demons because they were put in chains, cast into hell. We talked about that. That only leaves one other rebellion that is recorded in Scripture, and we just saw the role, Deuteronomy 32, of what they're doing. They're ruling the earth. The people. Why do you think the earth is so evil? Humans are evil, but we're not that evil by ourselves. There's got to be something behind us pushing us, teaching us these evil ways. So, what are they? Y'all bear with me, because still, it's. I don't, God, this is so weird. This is a this is uncomfortable. Like, y'all, I'm not joking. As a teacher, this is. Because I had never even heard this until I... There's, a, there's this professor I really like. His name is Dr. Michael Heiser. And he deals with the really uncomfortable stuff in the Bible. And I'm reading his book, Demons, right now. And it's just... You can trust his word. You want to know why? Because he doesn't cling to a tradition. He teaches stuff from all other traditions. And he... You know, because every tradition pretty much has some good stuff going on here. And therefore, we would take the good stuff, put it together. That's why I like him. Because he's not just leaning towards one denomination. And so reading his book is really what set me on this path about two months ago. And ever since I've been studying, and not wanting to deal with it. But... We're done with it tonight. The evil disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. Bear with me. This is why it's uncomfortable because that's what demons are. The evil disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. Bear with me. I know that's weird. This stuff is bizarre. It's weird, but our Bible is bizarre. Y'all, the fact that we exist from a God who created the universe is bizarre. Y'all know we live in a weird world. (laughs) This world we live in is so weird. If you don't have a supernatural worldview, the world's fine. But if you see the world from the perspective of the Bible, this is a weird place we live. There's stuff going on around us that no one can explain unless you know the Bible. And this is a weird world. So stay with me because this is bizarre. But if you believe that Jesus can be, born, can be born from a virgin and you believe he can die on the cross and raise again, then you can believe what I'm telling you. So bear with me, right? We cannot be selective in our, in our uh, supernatural worldview. All right? Think, think about what these beings are. They were the mixture of spirit beings, right? Angels, divine beings who are completely spirit, who cannot die. They're eternal. They don't die. And physical beings, human beings. Y'all know there's a reason why God never wanted that to happen. That was never meant to go together. You have a complete union of the physical and the spiritual. That was never meant to happen unless it was Jesus, right? That was never meant to happen. The flesh can die, but the spirit of divine beings do not die. They're eternal. So what does that leave you when one dies? What does that leave you when the flesh dies and the spirit remains, but has no place to go? They were barred from heaven because they were created from an unholy union. And we read Scripture, they were utterly evil. They were evil. They were the mighty men of renown, killing people and taking whoever they wanted and whatever they wanted. They were made to wander the earth without a home until the day of punishment. So demons are not fallen angels. They're not. It doesn't, it doesn't match up. It doesn't make sense for us to say, and we're going to look at more. But that, y'all, that's what they are. And we're about to look at church history. Y'all, they all believe this. Irenaeus, Clement, all of them, all, our famous church fathers who gave us all of our theology, they believed this. This is what they held to. So just because we're in the year, you know, 2021 doesn't mean we know better. It probably means we know a lot less than they did. All right, next. All right, so we're, we're going to read a passage. We talked about the book of Enoch before, okay? We talked about this before. It's, it's an apocryphal book, right? It's not in our canon, but it's held to be history, and we can learn some things from it. I want to read a passage because this goes into depth about the Nephilim and what happened to them when they died. And now the giants produced from the spirits and flesh, right, man and divine being, shall be called what? Evil spirits. And what are demons called? Evil spirits upon the earth. And on the earth shall be their dwelling, Where do demons reside? On the earth. And the spirits of the giants afflict. What do demons do? Afflict. They oppress. What do demons do? They oppress. They destroy. They attack. They do battle and work destruction and cause trouble. They take no food, but nevertheless, they hunger and thirst and cause offenses. Why do y'all think demons are so mad? They know what it's like to have a true body at one point, and they lost it, and now they can never have it again. And they hunger and they thirst and they feel these things, but they can, never, they can never quench it. They're miserable all the time. Rise up against the children of men and against the women because they had proceeded from them. Who do they torment? Human beings. They torment human beings because they hate human beings because they were once in the resemblance of human beings and knew what it was like to live in a body. And now they're separated and they have no place to go. You all understand that? They have no place to go. God won't let them go to heaven, and it's not their time to be punished yet. This is what the ancient Israelites believed demons were and what they did. Like, we see that, right? The book of Enoch, y'all, I I showed y'all in Scripture where Paul and Jude talk about the book of Enoch. And even Jesus references Enoch in the Gospels. So they grew up with this stuff. This wasn't unheard of material. This was in their time period. This is what they read. This is what, y'all, the Jewish tradition still holds the Apocrypha as their holy Scripture. So does the Catholic Church. So does the Ethiopian church. Churches still hold this stuff as scripture today, some of them. So while this is not in our canonized Bible, what? We can learn from this. This is what our, this is what our fathers in the faith believed. And this sounds bizarre. I know. It does to me too. Same. It's super bizarre. It's weird. Stuff makes me uncomfortable because it's like, I've never heard this in my life until I went down this path of studying demons. What are they? Because, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't reconcile the fact that they were fallen angels. It didn't make sense to me. Why would divine beings in all this glory want to inhabit the bodies of humans and torment humans like that? You know, I like that was a waste of their time. Because if they hated humans so much, why would they want to indwell the body of a person? It didn't make any sense to me. So let's look here. The story, this story of the Nephilim is told in all the apocryphal books in great depth. Y'all see all these? Enoch, Jubilees, Jasher, the Testimony of the Twelve, the Book of Giants. All of these, y'all have chapters and chapters on the Nephilim. The ancient people were writing about them. Why? Because the three rebellions I taught y'all about, that's what they held to. Those three rebellions showed them why is the world so evil. It's not just because Adam sinned. There's so much more going on that we're not realizing. And all these apocryphal books, if you want to look them up, they're online for like $5 a piece. You can read them. They all have these crazy in-depth stories about the Nephilim and what happened once they died. Copies of these books were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. What does that tell us? Yo, these things are old. This, y'all, this ain't, this ain't some 21st century wacko writing these stories. These stories are up to eight to 10,000 years old, the Dead Sea Scrolls. I'm talking ancient, old, right? And what does that mean? That means that a lot of these suggesting that they, they predate Christ. These books are older than Jesus. So what does that mean? That means this was a common teaching of his day, that Jesus was also hearing these things. Jesus knew these things. And nowhere in the Gospels does he come out and say, y'all are teaching the wrong thing, does he? So what does that mean? That means they weren't teaching the wrong thing. Jesus was very clear when he needed to go against the teachings of the Pharisees. Was he not? He was not scared to say it. So if he thought us in the year 2021 needed to go completely against this, then in the Gospels he would have said, Pharisees, that is a horrible teaching. Never say that again. Jesus was very clear on what we needed to know, what we never needed to know. While while they are not infallible canon, right, they're not in our holy scriptures, they are important historical records and documents that help us better understand scripture and the, the demon phenomenon. Okay, because the demons kind of come out of nowhere in the New Testament and bang, Jesus is casting out demons. Right. And it comes out of nowhere. But these old, old ancient texts help us understand a little bit more what's what is going on here. Okay, listen, Jesus was not casting fallen angels out of people. And listen, hear this out. The angels who rebelled, obviously, once again, y'all, I'm trying to drive a point home, in in Genesis 6, 1-6, have been kept in a spiritual prison in chains for thousands of years. They're not even in the picture. They haven't been since they did what they did. They have not been in the picture. The divine beings who rebelled in Deuteronomy 32 are these beings that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, 10-13, who are ruling territories, regions, and nations. They're pretty preoccupied to, to try to deal with one human being at a time and torment one human being. They would rather torment a whole populace of people which we've seen throughout history. Hitler and the Jews, Hitler, mass murder. Who do y'all think was really pulling the strings? Y'all, y'all think Hitler was that evil? Listen, not only did, was Hitler killing people, he was killing the chosen people of God. Who do y'all think was orchestrating that? It wasn't Hitler by himself. It wasn't Hitler. Anything you can track through history, you can pretty much see that there was a hand behind that. The angels who rebelled, first off, would never possess the body of a mere human. You want to know why? Because they think we're trash. Those who rebelled thought we were trash. We were the dirt of the earth. Yo, they were made of celestial particles, right? They were the divine beings made in the what? The heavens. These are divine beings. We are humans. They are eternal. We are mortal. How do y'all, how do y'all think those who rebelled viewed us? Not very highly. I, I, I don't think they were too impressed by our flesh and our, our weak nature. I don't think they were too impressed. All right. So one, they already have bodies. Angels, angels already have bodies. We talked about that. They show themselves, right? And that's why the scripture says, you know, be aware to entertain strangers because they could very well be angels in disguise, right? They can show themselves as people. They can put on bodies. How do you think they had sex with women? They put on bodies. And those clearly were angels because it calls them apostate angels. We know who they were. Number two, they believe they are far superior than us and would never stoop down to our level. They're not going to waste their time with us why, like I said, why mess with one human when you can mess with a populace of humans? Why waste your time if you're this powerful divine being? And three, they want to rule us, not be us, so why would they possess us? It doesn't make any sense. If they want to rule us, look at them, they are ruling, they're ruling the earth besides the people of God. Why would they want to possess us? They don't want to be us. But the demons want to be us because they don't have a body. They want one, they don't have one. That's why they try to take one. Right? Does that that make sense? Because to me, all the pieces started connecting when I studied more and studied scripture and studied these weird passages like 2 Peter. Y'all, did y'all know that that 2 Peter 2, 4 and Jude 1, 6 through 7 are are some of the most avoided scriptures by pastors in America? Because it doesn't match our American worldview. We don't have a supernatural worldview. We like like to take the things that are only applicable in, in the fleshly nature and apply them to our churches. But we don't like to look at the super weird things that don't make sense in our worldview. I mean, that, yo, this isn't my natural worldview. and This is none of our natural worldview. Um, but next week, I this so the book, this book right here. I read this in college and it messed me up. This book is called Spirit of the Rainforest. It's about the spirit of the rainforest. It's about a tribe in the rainforest. It's a Yamu Mamu tribe, okay? And so this missionary, Richie, this is true story. He went and he, and he ministered to them and they got saved and they told him their stories. Y'all, these people lived in the spiritual realm connected to the physical realm. Actually, literally, like talk to spirits every day of their lives and the spirits would show themselves as animals, jaguars and leopards and bears, and they would literally communicate and talk to them. And the spirits would tell them to kill each other and to kill babies and to rape women. And they did it. Why? Because they were best friends with the spirits. Y'all, this book, guess when this was written? The 1960s. Yo, they, yo this, this tribe was living with these spirits. They had a supernatural worldview. That's all they knew. Isn't that crazy? And we in America would have never thought that people would be living with spirits, what, 50, 60 years ago? And I'm sure a majority of tribes there still are today. You have tribes in Africa who still live with spirits. Why do you think Africa is such a tribal nation? Because they are ruled directly by spirits. So I'm not crazy saying these things. America is the most privileged nation in the world. We're also the youngest nation in the world. Other nations had their rise thousands of years ago and in the primeval times and in the medieval times and the dark times where there wasn't technology, right? Their worldview is completely different than ours. So we can't shut it off just because it's unfamiliar and it's uncomfortable because this stuff is uncomfortable. The reason demons are so evil, they're angry. They're angry. They had a body and life. And once they lost it, they had nowhere to go. Y'all do realize they were one of the main reasons for the flood. The flood that wiped out humanity. They were one of the main reasons. That's why I added on verses 5 and 6. Because once they enter the scene, and I think it's verse 3 or 4, verses 5 and 6, God says, this, these people are evil. So evil. They're, I can't even do anything with these people. They're so evil. Wipes them out. Why? Because the Nephilim were so evil. And guess what? Just because they died in the flood doesn't mean they went away. Their spirits had nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. They are forever wandering, forever tired and restless, forever hungry and thirsty, forever longing for what they cannot have. This is why they possess, oppress, and torment people. they are evil spirits who want what we have because they had it at one point in time. Doesn't that make more sense that a demon would, would act that way if they knew what it was like to be a human actually, to have a physical body and to want one? Because I, I, I think we, I talked about this before, we hold divine beings at the same level as ourselves. Yo, no angel would waste his time with one person. Now, obviously angels who are commanded by the Lord are going to listen when he sends them to somebody. But these rebellious angels are not going to waste their time. They're trying to rule the world. Do you know how many people currently exist on this earth? I think it's like 7 billion people. I don't think there are 7 billion rebellious divine beings. So are they going to all try to take one person? No. <laughs> They're going to rule regions and dominate from the top down. This is really where I want to get, so y'all don't think I'm a crazy person, to, to show up some historical proof and background. This was the main belief about demons until the 1500s. Y'all can look it up. This was the main belief about demons until the 1500s. Why? Because the emergence of the Enlightenment period. I told y'all, y'all, for, for the spiritual side, the enlightenment was actually the darkening because it told us not to believe in the supernatural anymore. It told you. It told you science is the answer. Science can explain everything. What does America tell you? Science can explain everything. Don't, don't, don't see the world as supernatural. So until 500 years ago, when the enlightenment period started emerging, really in the 1600s, 1700s, this is when that viewpoint went away. So you're telling me for thousands and thousands and thousands of years that was the main point. But now because we think we know better, we can just shoot that aside. Because we think we know better. Because, you know, the people back then, they were just crazy. They didn't know anything. No, that's not how that works. This was the belief during the time of Jesus, okay? This was the belief of the early church. Peter, Paul, John, and Jude all referenced the Apocryphal books. And all the Apocryphal books tell the same story, Okay? And all the early church fathers held to this belief. Who were the early church fathers? Irenaeus, Clement, Origen, Justin Martyr, and Tertullian. They all held to it. Y'all do realize, all of our theology pretty much comes from those guys right there. Everything we hold to in Scripture pretty much comes to the, from them right there. They were the original theologians for the church. And also the historian Josephus. Has anyone heard of Josephus? He actually wrote about the actual life of Jesus from a, histori- from a historical perspective. He noted in many of his books, because he wrote about religion, obviously Jesus... He wrote about the life of Jesus also, he wrote about life of Jesus, but also in that time period, they held this belief and recorded it as the majority belief of this day, of that day. This was their majority belief about demons. That's where they believed they came from. Okay, so this isn't me being crazy. I'm getting back to the point that truth has authority over tradition. Just because we're taught something doesn't mean it's the truth about what it actually is. Because we, listen, we take the Bible... We grab one thing out of it, and then we say, oh, this, basically, this is basically inferring that. No. The Bible doesn't basically infer anything. It tells you. It tells you. So we need to connect Scripture with Scripture, all right? We cannot, we cannot be selective in our supernatural worldview. Y'all, we can't say, yes, Jesus rose from the dead and was in a glorified body. Yes, we want that. But we don't want anything else in the Bible that's supernatural. That's a little hypocritical of us. To say we, we're comfortable with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus died for our sins. He did something for us, so we're comfortable with that. But we cannot be selective in our super, supernatural worldview. This is uncomfortable, but it's the truth. All right, this is weird. This is a weird thing about demons. This is what's been believed for thousands of years. After hours and hours of studies, y'all, I'm telling you, hours and hours of study, I didn't come to y'all lightly with this. I didn't even want to talk about this. I didn't want to talk about it, okay? All right, three, literally three different books, ten different articles, and hours of YouTube videos, y'all. I've been looking everywhere for all the answers, making sure everything correlated with each other. I'm thoroughly convinced that this is the truth about demons. Thoroughly convinced. That's why I'm putting together that folder. I'm going to email everyone who wants one. I'm sending you articles. I'm sending you book references. If you don't believe me, I will send you everything I have. Now, y'all are going to be busy for the next three weeks reading, okay? But if you want it, I'm putting it together for you. Why? Because what I tell y'all my first time teaching here, I don't want you to just take my word for it. If you don't believe it at face value and you have some trepidation towards what I'm saying, I will give you all the material in the world. Because, y'all, one thing I'm really good at is research. Always have been. Research papers are my favorite thing in university. Research papers. Because I can find all the information in the world. And I will give you all that information. Just let me know if you want it. But, y'all, this is what Jesus knew. This is what was taught during his time period. And I'm telling y'all, if Jesus did not agree with something, he told us in the Gospels. He told us. He told us beware of false prophets. He even said things they would say to lead you astray. But he never mentioned that this was one of the false teachings of that day. So what does that tell us? If Jesus knew this to be a fact, therefore, what is it? It's a fact. It's a super uncomfortable fact. It's just weird. Like that, that it's, it's weird. And you know, why, why does this matter? Why, what is the point of this? Because if we don't understand scripture properly, first off, we're going to be held accountable for misusing scripture. Second off, if we don't understand what we're actually fighting, well, then we can't fight. If if you think you you are fighting, you know, these fallen angels all the time, you're confused. You don't even know who you're actually going up against. First off, demons have no authority over a Christian whatsoever. So why did Paul not mention them? Because they're not a factor to the actual empowered believer. To To a Holy Spirit empowered believer, demons cannot even come near you. They can't touch you. But these, these powers who rule regions and rule the nations and the earth, well, guess what? You're living under some of that rule because they're the ones dictating the government around you. You're living under that. That's why he said put on the full armor of God because you can easily withstand that. He didn't even have to mention demons. But do y'all, know how much, do y'all know how much power we give demons in the American church? How? Oh, it's the demons. It's the devil. First off, the devil's not looking at you one by one. He's looking at the whole earth. He ain't worried. The only people he attacked... Jesus, Job, who was the most righteous man on the earth at that time, Peter, who would be the rock of the church. Y'all ain't none of us the rock of the church. (laughs) Ain't none of us the most righteous person on the earth, and ain't none of us Jesus. The devil ain't after you directly. He's after all of humanity. But what applies to us directly? Principalities, powers. Because that—that's who we're dealing with every day. Everything we do, all the laws that are passed where we live. That's who we deal with. That's why this matters. Because if if you were given all the power to demons and you think everything's a demon, well, then you're missing the whole point of where the fight is. Y'all realize Christians are meant to conquer areas for the Lord. And y'all do understand the Holy Wars, the book of Joshua. Y'all know who God was constantly sending them after? The giants, the refrain, the Anakim. They were the descendants of the Nephilim. We as Christians in the spiritual realm now, because obviously things have changed, are meant to conquer areas for the Lord which means we need to know who who we're fighting. So while these truths are super uncomfortable and they go against everything we've been taught about a third of the angels falling, about fallen angels being demons and all these different things, we just gotta look at the Bible. All we gotta do. Because the Bible stands for itself. And I'm telling y'all, just because we're in the year 2021 does not mean we know better than those who came thousands of years before us. Because y'all, the ones who came thousands of years before us walked hand in hand with the supernatural realm. Just like those people, that I told you in that book, and y'all should buy it. It's like $10 on Amazon. It, it'll mess you up because it's super graphic, and they tell their real-life stories of like killing babies and things like that because the spirit told them to. It's horrendous. But y'all, that, that is the worldview the people lived in in the Bible. They lived hand-in-hand with the supernatural realm. He does? It's true. You're right, Miss Karen. You are, I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. You know, the, the, same, the same lowercase gods who they sacrificed babies to in the Old Testament, the same spirit of abortion today hasn't changed, Ms. Karen. You are 100% right. They, they trick us, right? They took the Enlightenment period, they hid themselves, and just implemented the same things, but now they just throw, do it through organizations and governments. Same thing, different trick. So, here, there's, there's, three, there's three different books. Uh, Brother Norman, I know you're an intellectual, I know you would agree this one has a lot of references. This is The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser, Demons by Michael Heiser. And now this this one is the most interesting read, though, because it's the real stories of real people that lived, okay? This is Spirit of the Rainforest. This one is, y'all, I'm telling you, it's intense. So don't go into it naively. Y'all, I'm telling you, it's graphic. Like, when I talk about the murdering of the babies and the raping of women, it's graphic. Because the man who tells him the stories is a shaman. So he was the witch doctor of the area. And he was working hand-in-hand with the spirits, and it's nasty, y'all. This, y'all, the stuff that these demonic entities tell people to do is horrifying. And this, this is the world that the people in the Bible were living in. That's the world they were living in. It's horrifying. But like Miss Karen said, the enemy's just disguised himself doing the same things in different practices. What hasn't changed? Now, it's, it's, like I said, this, this is uncomfortable stuff, but we got to get back to the uncomfortable stuff. Y'all, you can't fight when you're comfortable. When you're comfortable, you just want to sit back and go to sleep, rest, have a good time. When you're uncomfortable, that's what pushes you to change and really fight. So let's be uncomfortable and read the Bible and let it blow our minds. Because my mind was absolutely blown. And I'm just like, you know what, God, that's what that makes sense in Scripture. Scripture points to it. And your leaders in your church have said that. And that's what it is. Uh, Pastor Teresa, will you pray for us before we head out? Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Everyone online, thank you for joining us. Always have fun in these...